0: Welcome back everyone to the Teacher Talk Podcast. This is CJ Reynolds and I wanted to remind you that my new book came out, Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is now available at Amazon and on bondsandnoble.com and it would be available at B. Dalton bookstores if they still existed. Alas, it does not. So if you do end up getting the book, if you would please, please, please leave a comment thing on Amazon, review rather, that would really mean the world to me. It helps the book get to more people. And that's it. Without further ado, here's this week's episode of Teacher Talk. Peace.
1: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds.
0: Just if you've never been here before, my name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. And on Sundays, we all meet here. uh, Me and about, you know... 100 or so of my of my closest internet friends and this idea is born out of the idea that sundays are often the most terrifying day of the week for educators because they're trying to get ready for the week and like maybe something happened last week maybe something's coming up this week and it's it's a lot for you so we me and all these folks in the chat try and create a safe space for you to show up and to um figure out what it is to be a teacher in 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 this time and so uh When I'm on here, I'm the talking head, but a lot of your answers are going to come from these folks on the side because, uh, because to be honest, education is a community activity there's never like the one there's no one size fits all there are no you know folks that are out here being saviors we are working as a community of educators, trying to to be the best teachers that we can be. For the students because education is only ever about students. So if you have a question, you can leave it in the side here. If you put Q or question in front of it, it makes it a little bit easier to see. But That's not necessary. Like if you forgot to do it, don't worry about it. Just, it'll be cool. And um, if this isn't enough for you, I have a book right there. It's called teacher class off. You can pick it up on Barnes and Noble or Amazon. And If you do, if you could leave a review, that would be awesome. Um, And if you want to buy them for your school, if your school is doing a book study, you can reach out to me. And if you, I don't know, whatever, whatever else you need, we're on all the social platforms and all that stuff. And, you know, the the idea here is to, um, is me just saying, look, I've been doing this for a minute. I think I know a few things and then trying to share that and trying to build community and connect with people that help me to be a better teacher for the things that I'm not so good at. So, uh, are you ready?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Let's just jump in. It was a long preamble. I have one of your hairs, or Marley's hairs. Anyone that lives with anyone with long hair knows this plight of, like, you just feel that phantom hair somewhere sometimes. <laughs> or it's, like, in your shirt, and you're just like... And then there it is. I'll um, oh, snap. All my nonsense. I think I moved it.
1: No, you didn't. Hell's Teach? No, Timmy.
0: Uh, all right, so Hell's Teach will be next. Timmy is asking, um, what do you do to stay sharp over the summer? So, Timmy, I think... Uh, Gosh, this summer is going to be quite a bit different in, in, in any number of ways. I had a trip planned. Me and Marley were supposed to drive from where we live in New Jersey to California this summer and do a road trip because it's the 21 years ago I drove cross country by myself. So that was part of the idea. Um, I don't. That's not going to happen now. And it's not even like I'd happily like sleep in a car or rent something that I could sleep in, but there's nowhere to go to the bathroom that everyone else isn't using the bathroom. So that got weird and I don't feel like figuring that out. So we're just going to postpone the trip. Um, Really, it's, you know, it's funny because last summer I worked so much. Like, so last summer we were building Upgrade Ed. um, I worked in ridiculous hours on that and the book and everything else that I was doing. So that, um, that was just a lot. And so this summer, I'm going to shift that. I'm still going to work a lot, but my plan is to get up earlier and finish earlier so that I have time with my family. Or I can take time out of the chunk in the middle of the day and then just like, you know, to go to the beach or whatever, and then just come home and work after that. Um, I like reading. I read a lot more in the summer. I take a lot of naps in the summer. I work out way more in the summer. Um, And I just focus on my garden. I have this really little garden behind my house that is literally... Um, yesterday I bought more plants and it's like every single spot is taken in my yard. Cause I have so many flowers back there. Um, and that, that really fills me up in the summer. And then I can just reset. It usually takes about two weeks before I get out of like school mode. And I can just like, like, that's not what my, like, I don't wake up with that feeling of like, go, 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 but I can wake up and have coffee, in the morning, that takes longer. I sit in the garden with my wife, and I meditate, and I pray, and I just am trying to fill myself up with goodness always so I can expel as much energy as possible and help people as much as I can. What you got? Yeah, you
1: know,
0: Hails Teach? Oh, yeah, but I lost it. What the hell? <laughs> oh! Did you get it? OK, cool. Hails Teach, what's up, buddy? I haven't seen you in a while. Have you seen her in a while? I
1: think
0: so. I feel like we haven't, Um, but I, I know that name. Uh, so, oh, she said, "Hey, Reynolds, long time, no see. Question do do back this week any tips for maintaining well-being? Do back at school this week? Um, like, whoa. So if that's what you're speaking to, i I just think the idea of going back uh, to him, um, Hales teaches a dude.
1: Why did I think it was a woman?
0: I'm not we have
1: Someone else that's like, it's hard with screen names. Like I would not know everybody's name. Some people like Myesha, that's her name. Uh, but other yeah. people it's like, I'm
0: sorry that, you know, <laughs> my bad. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, cable, I think How? going back is, um, I, I, I would literally go back if I had to go back to school tomorrow, like into the classroom or just back into teaching online, whatever. To me, it is you, you school has no limits there are there's no beginning and end there's no getting all your work done this is not a recipe right this is like you are going with the ebbs and flows of what your students need on a day-to-day basis and what the school might require of you and so it is about saying no when that is the only option when you when there's no more that you can give or you know that you are have reached your limit because when we don't do that that's when people get sick all the time. That's when they're filled with anxiety. That's when they feel like they have no control over their lives or classrooms or, or their time because someone else is dictating that. So I think that it takes, um, there's a level of taking time that you need to help your students get reacclimated into what school culture could look like. And hopefully, you know, getting rid of some of those processes or, or ideas that, you know, that we had before. So, A friend of mine on Twitter the other day was saying how he has moved his home office to like every conceivable location in his house. What did he say? He moved it like
1: nine times times
0: in the past two months or something like that. And he said the idea that we put students in desks in rows every single day in the same spot and don't give them any room for movement or for choice is so preposterous. He's like, because I can't do work from the same exact spot for all those hours every single day. Like I have to keep up, keep moving and, and changing my location all the time. And I just think that that's such a great idea. So it's like, it's doing that. And then I would think going back with as much as you can muster um, a positive sense or or going back with a smile on your face is, is I think bringing joy into the workplace, especially during this time with all that's going on in the world of quarantine is a good move. There's all kinds of other stuff going on in the news. And I, I want to get to speaking about that this evening. But, um, but I think that that, that's something that I would tie into my first day back immediately anyway, but I don't wanna, I don't wanna stick on that just now. I'm, I am gonna talk about that though. Um, Mrs. N Physics said, what do you do over the summer to prepare for the next school year? Um, chill. That's what I do. Um, you know, part, part of the great thing Mrs. N of doing YouTube is you're always reflecting. You're always thinking about education. You're always thinking about how you can do this better, how you could tweak it, how you could change it. I've actually thought about doing a video this summer about um, what have I learned uh, after four years of doing YouTube and because there's videos out there that don't like, I don't hold on to those ideals as much anymore. I don't, it's not that I think they're wrong, but I just have sort of like graduated from some of these ideas that I've put out there and I do things just a little bit differently. And I, and so that's something i thought about doing this summer, you know, to get ready for next year, we do have new curriculum happening next year, but You know, the hard thing about where I teach is there's so much change every year. And next year, I'm not even at liberty to speak about this yet, but like there's so much change coming for our school that um, I'm not sure what I'm walking into next year. So it's hard to prepare for things that you don't know. So the thing that I can prepare is myself that when I'm at my best, when I feel rested, when I feel centered, when I know why I'm doing what I'm doing, when I know what my mission is, when I know, like when I can be my best self, then it doesn't really matter what the school changes. Because when I'm walking in, when I feel like I have some sauce, when I have something to show up with, when there's like a little bit of, you know, I, I got the juice, then I could take anything. Like it's it just doesn't bother me. But there have been summers, like last summer, I just worked my butt off all summer and I didn't feel like I went back at the beginning of the year with that same kind of juice. And so that's that's what I'm hoping is like putting in, time to me, time to my family, and then that's going to help me get my mind right to be able to go back into school next year and do the best that I can for the students. Um, Stephanie Henry is asking, how are you dealing with negative backlash from coworkers or admin about your relationship with students? I had a lot of jealousy and backlash. Uh, I was professional. I get, you know, I don't get so much. Yeah, I don't get this so much anymore. Um, For those of you that have only been around for a minute, like, I think that relationships are king. I think relationships are are the building blocks for everything else for me. I know tons of teachers, you know, that don't have strong relationships with students. Um, but that's, I can't, I don't, I don't know how to teach that way. To me, building relationships is knowing who students are, knowing where they come from, knowing their community, knowing their background, knowing what they're interested in, and then using those things to teach the student that's actually in front of you, not the student that you think is in front of you or lumping all 14 year olds together or all kids from a certain part of the neighborhood together or whatever. It's knowing who your students are on a level that you can use that to educate them, to connect with them, and to, and to grow. Now, in the past, I've gotten a lot of crap from people because, you know, teachers, are, because I think teachers all wanna be the one, they wanna be the one that the students. Like the most. And so I had a really, really interesting phone call this week um, with a teacher from Ron Clark Academy. And he reached out and we had this really great talk. And he, one of the things he was saying to me was, he said, you know, when I was at my old school, I was a rock star. He said, now that I'm at the Ron Clark Academy, uh, he said, everybody is a rock star. Like everyone teaches on 11 every day. And everyone's so humble that even though they're that teacher, no one is immune to a broom and a mop. Like if there's a mess, if there's something that needs to be cleaned up, something needs to be fixed, something needs to be done. Everybody is, there's there's no like rock stars like that, where it's too, you know, I don't do that sort of thing anymore. Everyone's part of this family. And I just thought that was so great. And although we all can't be a part of a school like that, or your school might not be like that. Um, and I think that there are enough people probably in your school, even if that's one or two people, or if there aren't, at least online, that you are connecting with and then you are being that community, that family, that Oikos that is going to connect other folks to. And so, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a school where like myself and Cho and Yonkers and a number of other people I've had on here before, Meeks and Stu, we are this sort of like group within a group, not excluding anyone else, but just kind of like naturally came together and uh, we get to celebrate that together. So I think that's that's the answer is like, it's celebrating your joy. When people are jealous, invite them into the party, have them come to the party. You're doing something awesome in your classroom and you know, someone's been dogging you. Yo, I think you would really love the speaker that's coming in this project that we're doing, the presentations that the kids are doing today. You should come in and check it out. I think they would really love that. And then that's that's what's going to help you get over that hurdle uh erica smith is asking um how do you structure your day when you are doing so many different projects so i that's a really great question so this week i have a lot going can i talk about what i have going on or should i is that close to the chest i don't know what they're doing with that
1: yeah i wouldn't
0: yet okay so i'm working with um a really a really great brand that I am creating videos for, which is why I I like literally cannot, I do not have the time to make YouTube videos right now. I have all these videos made that I just haven't put out because I've been making videos for companies um, and they're paid. So it's like, I have an enormous amount of work to do this week between um, I'm doing like a Zoom call tomorrow with some youtubers and instagrammers that we're going to talk about like some of the things that are taking place in the world right now with regards to race and education um i have podcasts that i'm on this week i have videos that i have to make for other people uh still homeschooling our kids school finishes up this week so what that takes for me is today after this podcast it, or after this show is my wife and i sitting down and like meticulously planning out the week and i'm also lucky enough to have someone like edie who helps me out who's my helper outer And Edie has like makes spreadsheets for me of everything that's coming up in the week with regards to brand stuff. Right. So like I know what videos I need to shoot at what time and and on what day and when they need to be handed in and stuff. And so I just plan my Google calendar like crazy. And then I even plan my kids into that when I have really busy weeks. So it's like, if Brody wants to play Minecraft today at five o'clock, we're playing Minecraft. We're going to go take a walk at this time. Like if I, on those weeks, I don't do this all the time, but on those weeks, I will plan those activities in to make sure that I'm meeting those needs. Um, and then I just, I also just make sure that I'm really taking care of myself. I'm, dr- I'm drinking my nasty juice that my wife gives me. I'm making sure that I'm running, um, taking CBD oil before I go to sleep, like to maximize my amount of sleep. Like I'm really trying to dial it in, and that helps me to get the most done because I'm really caring for myself and I'm getting. Stepping back and looking at big picture and scheduling everything in. Uh, Jason is asking, can teachers safely have YouTube channels? I know you obviously have one, but I'd like to discuss topics like religion, politics, money, et cetera. Will it be okay as long as they stay legal. Um, thank you, Jason. I look. I think. I think any teacher can have a YouTube channel. The question is, does your school let you film at school? So I am allowed. But I know other folks on YouTube um, are not allowed. There there are people with sizable channels that their schools have told them that they're no longer allowed to film in school because the the way they are sort of looking at it is that teachers are making money on school property or with students. And that can seem, you know, especially if you have students in it, is it like um, are you being opportunistic, Right. And so I make sure that I communicate with all the families of any student that's on my channel. So everybody has a permission slip. Um, And it's as simple as like, this is who I am. This is what I do. I do make money off of these videos. Um, And to be fair, I wish I didn't have to monetize YouTube. I, I wish that could just be free. But the problem then is that YouTube doesn't push the algorithm, doesn't support your videos or push your videos. If you don't monetize them, because there's no incentive for them to push your stuff is the squirrel out there.
1: Plate of the squirrels.
0: Squirrels <laughs> keep trying to get my bird feeders.
1: They're they're taunting you right now because yeah. they know you can't they're get them. They're looking at
0: me. They're like, "It's <laughs> one o'clock on Sunday. Let's get after it." Um, so that be mindful of that if I do have students in it, or, or no matter what, I am always only ever about the students or about singing the praises of students, even though I talk about real stuff that happens in school and things that are are difficult or not easy or any number of things. Um, I'm never like, I'm not on there to trash schools. I'm not on there to trash my, my admin or other teachers. I'm not on there to trash students. Like I've seen teachers make videos that are like, here's all the dumb crap that kids do every day. And it's like, I just, I, if I'm a parent and I know a teacher is making videos, like I'm making them, I would support them. If I knew someone was making videos that were um that were dogging my kid or making fun of my kid i'm not going to get behind that so i think those are just some things to be mindful of
1: can i ask this though what if he wanted to make a youtube channel that wasn't teaching necessarily because he wants to talk about things that are like religion politics money
0: go for it i i why
1: not yeah i would just make sure to not
0: just don't let people know where you teach or something like you don't want your connection to be your it's like look teachers have many lives like i'm a teacher but i'm also a dad i'm also a business owner i'm also a husband also a friend um i'm also like i i love you know gardening and uh and jesus and like all there's all these other things that make me who i am teaching is just one aspect of it so teaching doesn't get to dictate at all what who i am in the rest of my life um it's just that you know there's so i think that that's fine um, Erica Smith is saying question I'm trying to uh, increase my tutoring has anyone had success with finding Facebook as a platform for tutoring um, I don't I don't know I would say that's a really good question for I would ask in the oh, Facebook yeah, group idea. because the Facebook group is all teachers so if you go to our Facebook group real rapid Reynolds, uh teacher talk on Facebook just answer like the three questions um so we can let you in but then you get in there and just ask people like how they've done it when they've done it like how, like what does that look like that was probably the move right there if i was tutoring um i'd for sure use one of those free platforms like zoom or something like that or skype or something um but to connect with students i think it's connecting with teachers that you know and seeing where the need is and then reaching out to those parents so maybe even in the facebook group like asking hey does anyone know students or a school that might need this type of teacher uh, to tutor this summer, that might be the move to go from there. Um, I feel yeah. like
1: tutoring is always word of mouth, all of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, but yeah, I mean, that's how I, that's how I would do it.
1: It's always like, who you know, who's looking for one. Like when we've like, ever
0: looked for someone for our kids, it's always like yeah. reaching out to people that we know. Um,
1: or like, I was looking for like, Wilson-specific tutors, like, so I obviously went to um like Wilson I called Wilson to see who was certified in that and then I got a list of all the local people that were registered in my area and then I called all those folks but uh, most of they had someone to
0: vouch for them so I think the other move is is if you put it out there on like the Facebook group or something like that now people have it in their head yeah now when someone brings it up it's not just lost on you but you hear like Tim was struggling with physics this year and it's like oh actually I know someone in my Facebook group that like is cool person and they could do it and that's that's probably what I would do as well. Um, Brooke is asking do you do you suggest first year teachers avoid telling students it is their first year teaching I was advised to to lie to and make it seem like I've been teaching longer but I don't like that idea of lying to students Brooke I I don't I never lie to students um that being said I didn't tell students it was my first year teaching it just didn't come up like I just didn't address the situation um and now I think that could change if I was teaching younger kids maybe but um I because I was teaching high school kids I didn't want them to get the sense of like oh this guy's a punk like like we could get we could get over on him or something because that's what would be going through my head if I was still in high school so I I would just uh I would take it a different route and just maybe not address it. And it's your first year at this school, right? Not lying. But um, if you really feel like that's, you know, I, I, I think more than anything, most of the time, we just go with our instincts. That your instincts are so strong. And it always makes me think back to, and I've shared this a ton of times, um, and although this isn't a mother question, my wife's instincts, when it came to our children, so spot on at this point when she's like what do you think about doing this with the kids and i'm just like yeah like uh, like you know if you're feeling that then that's what we should do and anytime i've really fallen back on my instincts i just think that that's the move um most of those decisions that that they tell you in college right when they say don't smile till november you know don't tell them uh it's your first year um, and anything like that are based in fear and i'm just not about living in fear like, if you want to tell your students, go with it, but you got to own it, right? So, like, it's my first year, and I'm stoked. It's my first year, and I can't wait to try stuff. It's my first year, and um, if you make a mistake, checking yourself and going, you know what? That wasn't cool. I'm learning how to do this as we go. Um, I kind of know it in theory, but it's my first time in fourth grade also. And figuring that out, like, as you go and being vocal about it and, and letting that transparency happen, I think is a good move. Um I I think that that's that's probably how I would handle that situation uh Stephen is asking um any best practice to end your class uh like last class of academic year thanks so much so Stephen I've done a bunch of different stuff it just so happens that this year is so problematic because we are at we're doing distance learning so I, I don't see my students so it's tough to figure out like what should I do like I don't know how to end this year. One of the year, ways I do it with seniors is, um, and I was just packaging these up last week because I get to deliver them soon, is all of the students write themselves a letter in the beginning of the year, that uh, first day of freshman year, and then I give them back to them at graduation. But our graduation's not till August. I'm not sure if everyone can make it. I'm not sure if I'll have the chance to see everyone, if I have a chance to interact with everyone. So I am delivering those letters to the school. And when the students go to pick up their cap and gown and their yearbook, those letters will be there also. Uh, in their yearbook to surprise them. Um, so that being said, I, I've done awards at the end of the year. I do weird awards. So it's like, um, you know, I, what I try to do is like shout out kids that don't typically get shouted out, right? So you are celebrating kids that are not on the honor roll, that that have gotten in trouble a lot this year, that um, are flying under the radar, are really quiet, are introverted, um, they don't make a lot of noise about themselves. And so it's about celebrating those students. But that—that's—but for this year, I'm still trying to figure that out as we go forward. I think anything you can do, I'll say this, I'm, I'm learning that anything we can do to let students know that we're still thinking about them, that they still matter to us is the win, especially in the time of COVID, especially in the time of all this kind of this explosion um, of, of protesting and social justice that's happening right now to let kids know, I care about you, I see you, and I want to know that you're doing well. Anything you can do like that. It could be send a card, it could be send you know a video to, to students that's like a one minute video to all your kids or something like that. I think that that would be just as much. It is not the gift, it's the intention behind the gift. It, it, during this time, I think is what's really important. Miss um, Warren is asking, How do you handle having to teach really boring content? Oh, man. So I, I hear you. Uh, there's two ways to do it. I think you either let kids know, Look, I got to do this. So we do this thing at school called Think Circuit. And I don't really love Think Circuit. I don't think that it is. I think for some of my classes, it's fine. For my students that are, reading and writing on a much lower level, it is a big struggle for them because it's like, here's ninth grade content and we're going to, you know, make sure that you get it. And then they just start skipping and cheating. And it's like, it's like all the things I don't want them to do because I'm not giving them work that they can actually, is going to stretch them and they can achieve something that's achievable to them. But instead it's putting everybody on the pull-up bar and say, do 50 pull-ups. And there's kids going, I could do five. And we're going, nah, bro. I want 50 and instead of going like, well, can you do six or five and a half? And then we're like growing like that, but instead we're like, "No, nah, it's 50. So when I have to do that, I let the kids know like, look, I don't love that we're doing this. I see what the school thinks about it. I see the importance that they think it has. And I can, I, you know, it makes sense to me. Um, I just don't think we're doing it the right way. Let's do this together. Let's get through this together. And it's going to take this much time this many weeks, this many days, and we're gonna just, we're gonna do it together. And then packing something fun or interesting or cool in the beginning, something fun, interesting in the middle as a break and then ending class on a a great way. So maybe that's karaoke. Maybe that's some dumb game in the middle of class. Maybe that's something silly or funny or like, you know, um, that's what I love about, what was that thing that our kids used to do in class that they just got up and danced?
1: Go Noodle, is that what it is?
0: Like I just thought that, so, um, does anyone know what this is? My, my kids have been doing this in school and like, they all, everyone ended up singing and dancing. And I'm like, bro, we're playing go noodle to ninth graders, right? <laughs> like it was like, and everyone was having it and class they thought it was the best. So the, so that's one way. The other way is make it fun, find a way to make it fun, no matter what it is, because I think that there is a fun way to like, look, you could go to a museum about anything and they either make it suck and it's boring or it's awesome. You can go to, you know, to the woods with someone and it's either boring or you have a friend that's a scientist that sees and knows weird stuff and, and like um, fun facts about things. Like I used to think teaching Shakespeare was super boring, but then I found a way to connect it to my students' lives. And I found a way, I found out all of this weird stuff about Shakespeare and about that time and about the play and about things that were like oddities that just made it more fun. So I think it's like, if this had to be interesting, how could you dial it up? Um, I think any wedding, any party, anything you do has the potential to suck. How can you make it go from here to here um, by just implementing something that's interesting in the midst of it? Uh, Judy Lopez is asking, uh, if it's is it normal for a new teacher to feel like they are not fully knowledgeable in their content. Sorry, not sure if I got my, if you got my first message. Um, I guess we didn't.
1: No, I didn't see it.
0: Sorry. Okay. Well, then this is perfect. Yeah. So Judy, I would say, um, yes, absolutely. There's tons of times that I don't know everything. Like, especially when we do the Odyssey, there's Greek mythology is such an enormous undertaking and there's so many different views and there's so many different books and there's so much different stuff there that it's like i equate it to to biblical knowledge right like there's so much biblical knowledge that to show up into a five-week thing that i do right that it's not like we, we carry this out through the year we do the you know there's things that we're learning about whether that's setting or plot or uh character development those things carry on through the year but the odyssey is the vehicle for which through which i teach a number of other things um, so I don't know all of this stuff. So I just turn it on to kids and I let them know, like, that's a great idea. I want you to know, I don't know the answer to that. And I think what that does is I've had classes before that thought I was dumb or like, I wasn't as smart or like, how can you not know everything? You're the teacher. Like when you misspell something and the kids are like, what do you mean? You're an English teacher. And it's like, yeah, but I'm, I think I'm like secretly dyslexic and I'm a human being. And so I don't know, you know, how to spell everything and I make mistakes It's owning those mistakes. It's feeling like there is room to grow, but then growing. It's like, it's and letting the kids see that and saying like, hey, you asked me a question the other day about this. And I didn't know what the answer was, but I looked it up and it's actually really fascinating. Let's break it down. Or saying, "Um, I don't know the answer to that. I'll give you credit if you look it up though. And and putting it on students and letting them, you know, sort of navigate their own learning. and, And if you have a great question, ask, And all like, and then if we don't know the answer, let's figure it out. And I have a friend um, who has this, Colby Sharp has an Alexa in his room. And they ask that thing questions all the time when they, when they're stuck. And so that's a really great, fun way to sort of like get kids curious, but then say, yeah, I don't always have the answers. Let's look this up together. So it's totally fine. I'm, I've been teaching for 15 years and I feel like I'm constantly meeting teachers that know so much more than I do about any number of things that just kind of like make you feel like you shouldn't be doing this job. But um, it's knowing that this is a growing process for the rest of our lives, for always and forever. And so especially if your content changes from year to year like mine does, um, you know, there's always room for growth.
1: I Like Chris Carson said, being imperfect is a gift to our students. It frees them to be imperfect. Well said.
0: Microphone drop with Chris Carson, my buddy. Uh, oh, I, was, I was trying to, I was trying to sound this out. But it says, "Hey, I'm Erica," and I was like, "Hey, I'm hey, I was trying to like figure out like how that was a word. Um, so, Erica's is asking, uh, "I'm studying to be a school counselor of middle school and high schoolers. Do you have any tips for gaining trust with students and encouraging them to come to me um, at the beginning of the school year?" So, I think. Erica, you know, I think in my time as an educator, I've known really good school counselors and I've known school counselors that have not done a good job at all. And I've actually done students a disservice in some some ways. The people that always win are the people that keep it real and the people that are always around, right? I often liken this to um, family members, right? So I might have family members that... uh, So my aunt, my aunt Kath is, is one of my greatest mentors of my life. She was best friends with my mom growing up. And like my mom passed away, like really took me, took me in and like lived with her for a while. And she is like, uh, like a, such a a shining example of what it means to be a good human being to me, but she was always around. So when I had trouble growing up, like that, that relationship is so good now because she was always around. She taught me to drive. She let me like, you know, we would just, she made it a safe space to talk about things and she never tried to like school me or diss me about anything. Um, and so that, that built that relationship. I have tons of other family members that I love, that I care about. I'd never call them if I was going through something though. Like I've gone through any number of hardships in my life and not knowing who to talk to and I wouldn't go, you know who I'm gonna call? Like uncle so-and-so or aunt so-and-so or that like friend of the family. Um, it's just being around a lot helps people to make, they feel comfortable around you because you're not always being a counselor. You know that being a counselor is building relationships. And what I mean by that is like, you're not being clinical, right? You're you're just, it's like, yo, what's up? How you doing? I really love that hoodie. Come here and talk to me about this band that's on your t-shirt. I don't know what that is. Um, Love the new hat. Love the new hair. Let's talk about the Fortnite thing. Let's talk about the new Michael Jordan documentary. Let's talk about things you're interested in so you're building that common bond or as my daughter would say you're building trust which is what she tries to do with the squirrels in my backyard even though I hate them and that's a whole other topic but um when you're building that trust that's going to make all the difference in the world um Andrew is asking Mr. Reynolds I got my first teaching job as a technology coordinator computer teacher math teacher what are some advice you give me for your first for your first year holy mackerel Andrew that's a lot of stuff man um I think I have a bunch of videos on this on the youtube channel like um from classroom management videos to what i do on my first day what i do on my second day uh, advice for first year teachers those are all great videos to watch i think if anything i would tell you that um one is to do not wait to be the teacher that you always wanted to be right start from the jump don't let anybody say anything different don't play it safe don't wait till you're you have tenure none of that stuff just get started right away and go into it with all the fire that you have inside of you Two, realize that you don't know everything. Um, So like, so like getting to know your content, getting to know your students, getting to know the community in which you teach. So don't like, you know, I often see people too much. They like sort of helicopter in, And then they leave the neighborhood and they go back to their, to their world. It's getting to know the neighborhood, getting to know the people, getting to know the community with which you are becoming a part of. Um, I think that those three things will really set you up nicely. And then, you know, learning that if you fail, if you screw up, if you don't do a good job, bro, just it's all right. We all are doing this all the time. You just get better at failing. You just get better at learning the lesson faster Um, There's a guy, Tim, something that I follow on Instagram that I really like. And he says he's always trying to fail fast. He wants to get to that place because if you think about weightlifting, two exercise references this evening. Um, Think about uh, weightlifting. If you can do, I don't know, uh, a set of 10 uh, pull-ups. Let's go back to pull-ups again. The first nine, no, they don't matter. It's the only one that matters is when you are out of juice you are trying to get your chin over that bar, you're wiggling your butt or holding your breath or whatever you're doing to just get your chin over the bar. That's when the growth happens in your muscles. It's not all the other stuff that's just trying to hurry up and get you there. So the faster you fail, the faster you learn, the faster you grow. And so I think that that is, is the move. Don't be afraid of failure. Embrace it, get after it, try it, and then learn from your mistakes and turn your class around after that. Um, best of luck, man. I hope that it's the the greatest year you could ever hope for. Um, and even if you don't do YouTube or have any plans of 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 showing stuff, take a lot of pictures and record your thoughts and feelings. I really wish I had done more of that in my first year, and I have almost no pictures for my first year teaching. Um, got a question, dude? I'm really thirsty.
1: Lots
0: of talking. Lots of talking and running. All of a sudden became a sweating activity mm-hmm. in the last few days, where it's just like. Because it went
1: from spring to summer. It here. went from
0: god awful winter cold gnarliness and rain to hot. <laughs> hot and like we feel like I live in the jungles of Vietnam all of a sudden.
1: To hot and I can't I can't go shopping for summer clothes yeah. for my kids. So yeah. everybody's wearing random weird bits and pieces. <laughs>
0: with those shorts on yesterday, and she's like, I had to wear these shorts. They're really tight, and it was just like. Oh, because you can't even like, you can't try stuff on the store. You can't make returns at most of the stores. So it's just like, I don't want to just feel it out. And I then cannot
1: wait. shop if I cannot make returns and my kids can't try stuff on. Yeah.
0: Them. All right. Are they out there? Oh, oh the Blue, Blue Jay. Jays. The Blue Jay's
1: back. Don't Are long. we becoming birders? We might be. We're birders. <laughs> I just like saying it's our
0: new YouTube channel. <laughs> no, no Birding. Okay, answer. Questions. Real Birding with Reynolds. Um, Mr. James Pete is asking, I don't know why that took me so long to say that. Mr. James Pete is asking, the goal is to reach every single kid on, at some level. I think, that, uh, I, think, I think I teach because of that drive. We all fail, though. Do you have some story you're willing to share about failing in the classroom with a kid? Bro, I have a million of these stories. Um, and then I have what I do with that. Uh, let's see. In the last few years, I've had a number of students that have come to school that have had some sort of difficulty they were dealing with outside of school. And I have tried to, I see that, see that behavior right away. It, either it's you, because what happens is you show up to school with all of your feelings, with all of your anger, with all of your resentment, with all of your stuff, right? And then what happens when we do that, when, when even us, right? Like as educators, when you have all that in you, when you're not dealing with it, it overflows and other people catch your overflow. And so it's not that I'm always, you know, my wife and I have had moments where like uh, we've had arguments, but those arguments um, sometimes are the result of me being in a bad mood and my bad mood overflows. And my wife gets pissed off by it. It's not that I was in a bad mood. It wasn't, that I was initially mad at her it's like They're catching my overflow. So we catch students overflow all the time because young people often do not have the tools yet to know how to deal with the feelings that they're having inside. And I talked about this last week, I think, but in my book, um I I have this song from Mr. Rogers that's called what do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you can bite and and the Mr. Rogers goes through this this scenario of like well what do you do like do you pound clay do you run really fast do you bang some drums like what are you doing that you can deal with with this hurt um sometimes though for whatever reason, even though I try all the tricks I have in my bag, I try all the strategies that I've learned, I've tried everything from building relationships to getting to know the kid, getting to know the family, getting to know where they come from, getting to know them on after school level, before school level, um, changing the work around so that's really dialed into the type of learner that they have, that I still cannot do it. And what I need to remind myself of is this, we are not here to fix students, we are not here to fix every kid's issues. What we are important, what the most important thing is not even my message, right? It's that the kid gets the love, care, attention. They get the the message from someone. And so if I can't do it, what I need to do as a teacher is find someone, or or this is this becomes my mission is like, is find someone that will be able to connect with that student. Because that's, that's, the, that's the move, right? Is that when we talk about being saviors, right? So like um, if you are a teacher that's trying to be a savior, go into a community, into a classroom, and you want to be the one, what that does, the problem with that is, one of the many problems with that, we'll say, is that you are putting it all on you. And you're not making it about the student. You're making it about you. And so when we make it about the students, we will reach out to another teacher. We'll reach out to a community member, someone on the staff, someone that they had before. And you are then connecting with that person saying, look, so-and-so is having a really difficult time in my class. I'm trying all of these different strategies and nothing's working. And needs someone to try and connect because I see the trajectory of this child is that they are not growing and doing well and becoming a better version of themselves. What they're doing is they're on a slow downwards and so what can we do as a community to help lift this child up and that is the move um and so when i've not had times when i've tried what you know when there's been times when i've tried everything i can think of it's being able to humble myself it's being able to reach out for help to be vulnerable and to say hey look you know like so for instance i've had students um I will say two years ago, there's a number of students in mind when I was teaching with my co-teacher, Mr. Fines, who's still a teacher at my school. He's a really, really great dude. And although we're very similar in a number of ways, we're very different in some ways also. And there were certain kids that I'd be like, yo, when we... do testing today, um, and you pull a small group to to go out and test together. I know these guys don't have IEPs or 504s or anything, but could you include these dudes? Because I see how you get down with them, and I realize that that's a strength of yours. But that allow, that requires me to say I'm not so good at this. I'm not that student is not someone I connect with. Doesn't mean I stop trying. You never ever 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 give up on a kid, right? But you are trying anything that you can to help that kid get connected. And so th- I think that's. The long answer to that like short aretha question
1: brown. she said don't um, take it personal when you fail.
0: yeah aretha brown is saying don't take it personal when you fail a hundred percent right like it's like because it's it was never about you anyway none of this is ever about us is is not you know father greg boyle says something to the effect of like we don't go to communities to save people fix people or serve people we go there to get fixed we go there to like school my students have taught me more about what it's like to be a real human being, what it's about to be empathetic, what it's about to be a, a, a white man and all of my privilege and all the stuff that comes along with that, that I've ever been able to like probably teach kids. And so it, it's it's showing up and being able to fail and then like dust yourself off, not take it personal, like um, like she said, and then, um, and then figuring out what you have to do and then always fi- keeping it so that the kids are always what is the focus. Um, Sticking with sixth is asking, do you have any experience advice for self-contained ninth grade class? I don't want to feel like, I don't want to feel like an elementary, like elementary school. So, okay. Uh, I think, do you have any experience? Yes.
1: You've never really been Uh in a contained room per se, but you have had classes that are geared
0: towards special. Yes. I've had a lot of, um, co-taught classes that are either students that are performing below grade level, um, as says, you know, whatever tests they're taking or kids that are behavioral problems that I get to just lump into that group. Right. Um, Cause it's like, even if you're an honor student, but you don't act honor, sometimes you just get thrown into your classroom anyway, which makes it really difficult to me. It's always, it is, Gosh, there's, there's a hundred things to say about this, really. But I, I would say, you know, it's identifying, it's knowing who you're teaching and not wishing they were any different, not wishing they were any better, not wishing anything. It's about being real with who's in front of you in class. It's about figuring out ways that, you know, oftentimes the students that are in those classes, you know, it, especially in Philadelphia, I, I think, you know, I've had students... Gosh, I'm, I'm really struggling with this because there's so much to say about it. Let me say this. I have a student that's about to graduate this year. That student went through the Catholic school system in Philadelphia and w- in which every school that he was in did not service any of his needs. There were no special education needs. There were no, he never had a, a IP meeting. Um, he never had an IP. He never had a self-contained classroom. There were no small group classes for him to be a part of. And it really, really hurt him. Um, To the point where I remember his mother crying the first day that we had an IEP meeting for him. And she was so thankful to finally be getting services for her student in ninth grade that he had never had before. And the way we helped that child to grow was by not giving him ninth grade reading level stuff when he's in a second grade reading level. It was giving him stuff. Where, for where he was, like meeting him where he was and then bringing him up to where he needed to be. It was not sticking to the textbook. It was not sticking to the novels. It was like, oh, we're reading the Odyssey, bro, I got you the the graphic novel of it. Oh, we're reading of mice and men. Let's read the play of it together and get excited about this. So we're doing this together. It was not reading Lord of the Flies. Um, you didn't have to read the book, but you could listen to the audio book and you could read along if you want, or just listen to it. It's what it is, is dialing into the actual needs of your students. And I think that when students see us actually like trying to take them from here to here, not based on the common core, not based on the curriculum, not based on the school policy, but on who they are and what they're about and what they, they like, then You're moving the needle from here to here, but you're teaching through the lens of something that the kids care about. You're getting, you're willing to start where they actually are, not being like, oh my gosh, why are we reading this and it's taking so long or this kid struggles so much. Yeah, bro, because you're asking kids to do 10 pull-ups when they can do one. Like, let them do one, put a box on their feet, let them do half a pull-up and do five of them and build some confidence, but do some other things that are gonna build up those muscles as well and actually get them excited to show up to do the, to do the work, right? Like, it's, it's, it's creating such a buzz of excitement in your classroom because you're willing to do all these things that's going to really move the needle in a way that is going to astound you and your students. And then I think, like, being real with your students and also, like, and, and building those relationships is going is to be what really makes that class something special, When we're somewhere special, we don't mind doing the work. If you've ever had a job where you've loved your boss, right? And not to equate teachers to bosses, but if you, hold on one second, because I I like this idea. Um, If you have a boss, I'm thinking of Pam Samaro working at Flashback at the Echelon Mall.
1: You would do
0: anything (laughs) for Pam. Pam could be like, I need you to clean, I need you to dust the bottom of every clothing rack. You were like, girl, I'll do it with my, do it, you know, and half the time you think it's gonna take me. But if you have a, a boss that sucks, you're like they could be like, um, "Would you mind ringing that customer?" And you're like, "Ring the customer." I guess like you just it's like everything's a drag. And so I just think that yeah. you know a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yeah,
1: she said. I just want to clarify, it's not special needs or anything. Just a small school, so it's just one teacher for all subjects.
0: Even the same, same thing. thing. I would say that 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 rationale rings true for every student, in every classroom, in every school. All over the world. Yeah. Um, my buddy, Maisha, is asking questions to shift the mindset. I'm still getting stuck. I'm sorry, this is my ADD brain. I'm still getting stuck on the fact that Hales teaches a dude.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't know why. I, is it? Well, okay. We can talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. Just,
0: I don't know what happened there. Um, the sh- uh, to shift the mindset for the moment. What has been a positive aspect of distance learning outside of the lax dress code that I could possibly use in the future? My, I feel like we found that we don't need to do, I think not every unit, and if I'm thinking in terms of my school and the way I teach, not every unit needs to be five weeks. Not everything needs to take 45 minutes a day. Not every class needs to happen every day. Not every, um, not all all the work doesn't need to be in um such a way that it's uniform for all of the students uh i think one of the things i really grabbed was that technology can be a tool but it is not it is not a tool you just give to kids it's a tool you work on together i think um i've contacted far more parents than i normally do and that has been a tremendous help um and it's really i think also showed me that you know the connection piece, the being in person, the being with students, is so much more important than I than I really even real like I know I've, I ta- I preach it all the time the importance of relationships. Um, but man, that the, you know my friend Shivi, uh, if you go on Instagram, my friend, um, he goes by don't uh, call me Shivy if you go on Instagram. He can, can makes great content. He said to me, he goes, schools are not just for students' minds. They're not just for educating students' minds. They are mind, body, and soul. Our students need us to be a safe space, to connect with their peers in a safe space, to eat, to to actually get actual like nourishment for their bodies because they might not have food outside of that, to be somewhere that accepts them for who they are and to be a place of consistency in their lives. And I just think that, going back, I am so thankful to be going back at some point. Um, I think it will feel great to be a part of that community again, and then really know that, like, damn, like, I need you guys. I feel like I'm out on an island. I feel like I'm doing this by myself, even though we're texting, and we're calling, and we're Zooming, and we're doing meetings online, it's not the same thing. But to be there with your friends, with your community, with that family, like you're all together, going from here to here, man, I think that that is going to be something that you know, I'm really feeling now and it's going to feel so good when we get back into the classroom again, unless we have pool so news what, coming off the top of our heads. What was your,
1: your favorite thing that you could take from distance learning that, can, that you could continue
0: in your classroom? I think, well, I so I think one, it's that technology piece. I think making the green screen videos was a great idea and that I could actually do flipped classrooms like that where kids are watching stuff on their own time coming into school and then, so I'm not doing lectures mm-hmm. and stuff. It showed me that lectures don't have to be long. Those videos I talk for no more than three minutes on something that I'd spend thirty to twenty minutes talking about in class or doing something where I'm like intermittently talking about something. It's like no like make it fun, make it interesting, make a video, put it up, sit back with your kids, watch it for three minutes and then
1: I like I always like the discussion part in class. I could not stand lectures. Yeah. I wish they were really short and we had more time to actually talk something through
0: but but i how i work i never made that that stuff before right yeah no and then it's also it's not so much things that i'm going to change but it's things i'm going to double and triple down i'm going to get back that i'm like damn that's why this is important i didn't know because i've been so up in it the whole time that sometimes it takes stepping back as leonardo da vinci said stepping back and sometimes getting a picture of the sense of the whole thing and then going back and handling your business. Cassie is asking, I've been reading your book. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, how do you defend yourself to students and parents when they take only a limited number of students on a field trip experience? How do you connect your trip to your content? So, Cassie, um, the trip isn't always based on content, um, but I don't, I try not to do trips that are not based in content during school time. So, you know, going up and meeting. Mac Primo or Luigi or going to Gary Vee, like I try to make that either it's like either an after school thing or an on the weekend thing as much as possible. Um, what I'm trying to do is, you know, even if that is during school and and it's not based in content, it is trying to provide a level of equity for my students in that, um, you know, when we talk about equity in terms of class trips, there are schools that get to go like to friggin Jamaica or to the desert or the actual jungle to learn about stuff and do things. And there are opportunities there because maybe there's a booster club or there's, you know, the PTA, or, you know, there was some kind of fundraiser. And for those of us that don't have those things, right. You need to make something from nothing. So I, I find these opportunities. I, I, you know, do what I got to do to get us on them. And so it's about, um, creating equity and creating experiences for our students, because if we, realize that oftentimes if our students see it they can be it if they see someone that looks like them that comes from the same has a similar story as they do comes from a similar place that they do and they see them doing something as in the case of the Gary V story in the book they can they can make the jump then right because it's not always the message it's the messenger and so um we are creating opportunities for our students to do things like that um the reason I don't take students, uh, on all students on trips is I think that it's, it's too much. I don't think I don't. In my experience, taking the entire ninth grade on a trip, is, is problematic for any number of reasons. Part of that is not all the teachers know how to take students on a trip, right? Like I hold my students to a very high caliber when we're on a trip. I want you to know that you are not just representing yourself, but you're representing, setting your school, your community, your family. And when you act out of pocket when I'm not there or like when I have to babysit you, um, this becomes uh, an issue. So I want to take students that I never have to babysit. Now, that does not mean I take all kids that are A's or kids that are in honors or kids that never get in trouble. It's a mixture, but it's like um, I'm trying to like sort of DJ this situation where I'm trying to get the right mix of kids to go on a specific class trip. The other problem is not all class trips are conducive to to whole groups or to huge groups. So this time I take this group of students. This time, like so last year it was like if I'm going to Princeton to see a play, I take this group of students. If I'm going to um what's the other job we did last year? The locked in a room thing. Um
1: like a escape room.
0: Escape room. I took a different group of students. I'm not gonna take students on that trip that are claustrophobic, that um are going to get bored, that are going to get angry and start, you know, pulling things off the wall. You have to figure out who, what trip is for the right kid. But that's why I take so many trips in a year and have so many people come and visit and have so many Skype calls because I'm trying to create equal opportunity for all students. I want all kids to go on a trip. It's just not, not every trip is good for every student. And uh, and having 130 people out somewhere at any given time is just like that really limits your number of experiences and it just makes it lame. Cause I just can't, I want to be able to connect. I want to be able to build memories. I want to be able to build excitement around it. And that just can't happen with that many students um, in, in my experience. Uh, Mr. Tran is asking tips for noticing and focusing on good students and quiet ones in the midst of the troubled students. Uh, I think it is giving no student more time than they are allotted. So kids that are you know problematic in class like like however we want to focus on that right like maybe it's the kid that's crying out for attention maybe that's the kid that is always out of their seat that's always talking that's always doing whatever right um and there's a one it's just remembering first of all that there's a reason behind that right no kid you know i don't know if this is I don't know if this is actually correct, but my sense is that no kid is like born bad, right? Or, or born rude. Um, those are learned behaviors. Figuring out the story behind that is gonna help you to figure out that soon. It's gonna help with a lot of things. That's not the question being asked. The, the, what I think is also important is you can't constantly be putting water on this fire because these other ones, although they do not look like infernos are slow and burning also. And that, that is often because we are usually keeping all of our attention on students that are awesome or students that are like having the most difficulty in class, there's always someone in the middle that is lose, that has no attention, no love, no care, no focus, because we are so busy going after these glaringly obvious um, needs for attention and we're forgetting about other students and it is me saying, nope, even though you're like, Mr. Rounds, Mr. Rounds, Mr. Rounds, Mr. Rounds, Mr. Rounds, it's like, nope, I need you to hold on a second, because I'm with someone right now. And then letting that kid know that they are important to you, and then that's just how I do it. I just decide that nope. You d- the idea of Rafe Esquith's book, Teach Like Your Hair on Fire, is he once his hair caught on fire? Did you know the story? Mm-hmm. His hair caught on fire because he knew that this one girl, he wanted her to like be able to do the science project in class, and he was so intent on focusing on just oh, did- this one kid that he knew needed this right now that he didn't even notice that his hair had actually caught on fire <laughs> and so it's that's what it's like it's not like teaching your your class off and going nuts all the time it's like being that intently focused on students and so i think that that's that's how you do that um Jub job is asking how do we make being a teacher a more respected job in this country when i tell people that i am in college for teaching they assume that's because i dropped out of a harder degree um, it's just so funny right it's like You know, but look I think
1: someone I think it might have been Dustin or some somebody that we're friends with like on Instagram. I I don't remember who posted it, but they posted like a glacier and it showed the top half was like relatively big and like the thing that people thought that they said, this is kind of like what teachers do, but really it's like, this is what teachers do. And it shows the glacier yeah. under the water. And it's like this huge giant mountain. And it's like, no, oh, teachers do so much more than you actually even know or see.
0: That is was so a, interesting to me. That is beyond right. I don't even want to yeah. put a quantitative value on it, it is, is incredibly correct. I think, you know, part of the issue is one, um, Teachers are too busy doing work to make a name for themselves, right? Like, and so like there are a few of us that are on YouTube and stuff, but like, even like, you know, I've gotten called out on social media for like not answering someone's tweet or not going saying something bad, like someone pushed back against something that I said or did, and they're like, but you're not answering back. You must be scared about it. And it's like, bro, I don't have time. I am trying to change the world. Like, I'm trying, like, and that, like again, this is goes back to everything else that I've said. I am trying to be a part of a community that is trying to help folks be the best version of themselves that they can be. Put them in opportunities. Put them in classes. Make classes engaging as exciting. Getting to know students so they can have an amazing day, an amazing class. I am teaching now distance learning. I work sometimes 13 to 14 hours a day. I don't have time to answer your tweet, bro, because I'm busy working. Um, I'm like, when when you're, tweeting i'm on the phone with kids and families and trying to make things happen for people that don't have food that don't have access that don't have internet that are sad that are lonely that are oppressed and letting them know that they matter i don't have time for you too like there there's only so many limits only so many things we can do so to that end i think there are a lot of teachers out there that are creating problems that make it look like like we don't have kids going home from school being stoked about school we have kids that are going home that hate school, that hate showing up, that hate the tests, they hate the classes, they hate the homework, they hate the way that school's taught, they hate the the, the rows that they're made to sit in, that to, to told, as Anismochgani says, um, speak when spoken to and then are never spoken to. And when we create schools that look like that, when students can't respect their teachers because they are because they are doing what they do because of policy and not because of students then we are creating this world of education, which unfortunately looks like something that is not respected. Um, But I think when we dare to be the teachers that our students need, when we dare to think outside the box, to go 101%, to push the envelope, to be the teacher we always dreamed of being, when the folks like that are here are showing up to do the work that we're showing up to do, like at 110%, then I think that's what ends up changing education. But but that has to start on your very first day or it has to start tomorrow, right? Like I'm not about this Harry Wong idea of, and I don't mean to dis Harry Wong. I don't know Harry Wong, but I do know that it said this in his book. Something to the effect of like, if you don't do the first day right or the first week right, you have screwed your school year. I think that's nonsense. I think you can have a drinking problem until you're 50, get your stuff together and have a beautiful life after that. I think teaching is the same way. I think you can screw it up for a long time. And do everything wrong and then decide one day, this this is about the kids. You can decide one day, you're going to make school fun no matter what. And when you do that, when you make that shift, it changes everything. And so that's what I would, um, I I think that teachers like this, right? Like Seth Godin says, people like us do things like this. When you get people excited about that, I think it starts turning culture um, naturally. But, you know, unfortunately, we also have things like, like, you know, tenure that locks people in that are handing out frigging worksheets every day and they, they are terrible at their job and they're doing the students and their communities a disservice because they don't really want to actually teach. They just are waiting to pensions two years away, man. I'm dialing this thing in until I get there. And it's like, no, that's that's wrong and it's doing the students a disservice. And, and I think that that's, you know, part, part of how we get there.
1: Um, wait, before you answer yeah. that, back to your question about, uh, the question that someone asked about field trips, she asked a follow-up. She said, how do you justify your decision um, to students who didn't go?
0: Um, I, or because, parents if
1: they question it.
0: So I, I talk about it like this. I am never trying to single anyone out and I'm never trying to not take you on something because I don't think that you're, you're worth it, you're good enough. What I'm trying to do is create um, intimate, magical experiences for all students. And so my hope is that if I can take 10 class trips in a year and I have a hundred students, I can take 10 on each class trip. And sometimes class trips can facilitate a whole lot more students. If I go to a play, I take 50 kids to a play, right? But I can't always take 50 kids to VaynerMedia. I can't take them to an art studio. I can't take them to an art opening. I can't take them to any number of other things. So it is, to me, it's letting folks know that like, no, this one's not for your particular child. And it is, but something is coming up that I want your student to, to, to experience. Um, but it's like, you know, it, I, I just think, and I think that that goes over well because what you're doing, what you're reminding parents of, and I think that this is not communicated by teachers enough. It, it's maybe implied. It's maybe hoped that the teachers, that this parents get it, but it is really letting parents know, I love my job. I care deeply about your child and I only want what is absolutely best for them from the bottom of my heart, right? Like I'll do anything to help your kid grow into the human and grow, be a uh, sort of like a, an aid to them, a coach to them to try and help them get to where I know they can be. When you communicate that to parents, it means the world. And, and, and so, it is not me being clinical. It's not being being too teachery. It's me having an honest conversation with parents and saying, "Oh yeah, well they we couldn't take as many people on this trip, and this is why." But who, who's your child, Stephen? Oh, listen, I know Stephen loves this, and I have I have not told him about this yet because I want to make sure it goes through. But I know that this thing's coming up, and I know he would love this, and I'm only able to take. 10 to 20 students on that. So I think that that is something I would love for him to be a part of. Um, and so that's kind of how this year is going to roll out, the end. And I just think that those kind of conversations with parents, human to human, right? Not authority to, to parent, uh, go a lot better. And, and it's a way of communicating with people like they're actual human beings and explaining to them really why you're doing it. Because you're doing it because you're focused on students and not focused on making everything fair. Because um, there's just not enough for, for that all the time. What you got, dude?
1: Last question.
0: Um, well, last question, then I wanna address something real quick, too, so don't don't jump off. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm so, I apologize so much that. I'm gonna probably say your name wrong. Um, Manoek, M-A-N-O-E-K, I really apologize. I'm terrible with names, especially if there's a lot of vowels. It just, it's my weak point, one of the many. Um, what do you do when students copy work for a grade from another student? uh instant one or second chance. I everything is a conversation. Everything is a learning experience. Um if I have someone that cheats, they get a zero, right? I tell everyone this in my in my class. I'm I'm all about I'm all about if you don't do well, you can do better. Awesome. If you flat out cheat, we got an issue. So you get a zero, I call home, there's a write-up, all that regular nonsense. Um more than anything, I don't suspect that that's going to solve my issue, though. I think kids are going to try and become more resourceful when cheating. So what I want to do is talk to kids about why I think cheating is an, is an issue, why I think cheating in my class is an issue, why I think that they need to self-advocate better, why they, I think that we need to work on a way that's going to help them to do better. Because why did you cheat? Did you cheat because you didn't know? Did you because you didn't pay attention? Did you cheat because this was a, uh, an assignment that didn't um, really push you in a way, or excite you in a way, or get you moving in a way, or talk to your specific type of um, learning capabilities. Like what was it that made this happen? And then talking about the importance of not cheating in life, because life, look, I think there's two things, you know, as Ray Vesquith would say, it's like, be nice and work hard are like two of the things that are really gonna get you somewhere, but but cheating is not working hard. So let's talk about that. Um, And I think it's those conversations. If it happened more than once, for me, um, those of you that have watched my content before know that I have a friend, Cho, at school. Cho is the grade level dean. Um, and Even before that, she was just head of the – not just, but she was head of the science department. She's someone that um, has a lot of gravity in her. Or before that was my friend Nicholas Pascal or my friend Noah Tennant or someone that I'm connected with in school that I can then sit down with a child because I realize that it is my – the message is not making it from this messenger to that person. So I need to call in help, call in backup to get somebody that's going to help me um, communicate this to the child. And then that usually works. Like I usually don't have like massive amounts of cheating after that. Um, And if I do, then I just, we take it to the next level. We call home, we have a school meeting, we do, we do whatever we got to do, but I always try and keep it human to human first and not let like just policy get in the way. And each student's different because you don't know what their story is and you want to find out what it is. Why did you cheat? Um, we can assume that kids are just lazy. They don't want to do the work, but we don't really know. So it's about finding that out and having that conversation first and helping students figure that out and then finding out what that issue is and try to make a bridge from the issue to the solution so that the kid doesn't feel like that's their only option. Um, is that it? Okay. Okay. Uh, Real quick, I want to address something really fast that I think is important. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I don't I don't want this to go by because I do have a social platform. And I, I thought it would come up in a question at some point. Um, and it, it hasn't. And so that's I was just sort of letting it organically go. I didn't mean to hold it to the end. Um, with all that's going on right now, especially with regards to George Floyd's death and to the outcry of attention um, and all the protests that are happening right now, um, I just, you know, I want to address this because I think that if you have folks' attention and you're on a social platform, if you're not doing that, you're doing people a disservice, right? The reason you take it to the streets is to get attention, right? But not everyone's on the streets, especially in times of quarantine, right? But where are they? They're on social media. Um, I do want to say that if your students talk about this, I don't know what your school's policy is, but I can just say how I plan on addressing this with my students or I have in the past when there's been something similar that has happened is particularly um, an issue between a police officer and anyone of color. Um, in those times, I often do not have answers for my students. I just, I don't know enough. Um, I, I try to educate myself. I try and put myself around people that do know. I try and get information and advice from them. But I have found by and large in times of tragedy, there where there is some sort of trauma that has happened it is creating safe spaces for our students to talk about these things creating safe spaces for students to voice their opinion and without feeling that they are going to be judged or criticized or downplayed creating safe spaces where one student can talk at a time um so that they're actually heard that someone else doesn't get overzealous and try and crush their their argument or say this is you know what you're saying goes against my morals or my values or whatever but it is it is literally We are creating safe space to, one, let students know that they're important, that their opinion is important, that their story is important. It is, two, it is teaching students how to have civil discourse, to listen to someone else and fully understand where they're coming from before you shoot back. And this is something that I've learned in my life is is just such a great idea because you're understanding fully where someone's coming from. And back to that feeling, the, the idea before of like, d- d- like, when we don't allow students or people in general to say how they think, what they feel, and not damn them for them, not demonize them for them, then things tend to escalate and blow up. What is happening right now I, I is my opinion, right? On the streets of America, and, and I don't know if it's happening outside of America right now, but- What's happening in America is no different than having a student that comes to your class that is clearly angry, that's clearly frustrated, that is at a boiling point, and then they turn, they punch someone, or they throw something, or they curse you out, or they do something that's, that's completely out of pocket. If you saw it coming and didn't address it, it's like it's trying to create spaces for those students to be able to say, do you need a walk? Do you need to come talk to me in the hallway? How about we have lunch together today? Let's figure this out together. And so I think it's creating spaces where we're teaching young people how to do that, how to deal with their feelings, how to deal with their hurt, how to make change, right? Like how to get like several years ago, you know, not to keep this on too long, but like, I, um, when I have a friend that teaches at, uh, what is the school in Florida that had the school shooting? Oh,
1: Stoneman Douglas something.
0: Like... No, no, no. We're five foot ones from.
1: Yeah. I thought that was her school. Oh,
0: whatever the, this, when the School shooting happened in Florida several years ago. And I have a friend on YouTube. Uh, she goes by five foot one teacher. That was a teacher there. When that happened, um, it was a tragic event, right? Any, any time anytime anyone's killed is a really tragic event. Couples. But like it is, it is particularly difficult when young people are involved to me. It just hits me in a way. Um, we lost two students that year to gun violence. One student um, tried to save his sister who was being abused by her boyfriend, went in to get her out and was shot and killed um and then another student that was in the wrong place on wrong time on easter standing on the street there was a drive-by shooting he got shot and was killed when we all did the walkout for the school in florida um we participated in that and as we were walking around and the students were, were being a part of that one of my students stopped me and he said you know reynolds i can't help but think that we lost two of our own this year not just two people that were from the community, like two people that were from our school, our friends, our homies, the people that are the closest to us. And we didn't do anything for them. Like we didn't have a walkout, we didn't have a night, we didn't have a memorial. Like, and the school does little things, right? They they do address the situation. But, you know, it is about talking to our students about why this is so important. Why is this particular instance bringing up so much in, in so many people? And when we create access, we create spaces for our students to talk about these things. I just think that it is doing them such a service because like I always say, it is not your advice. It is your attention that matters. I did not grow up young and black. I don't know what it is like to come from an immigrant family. I don't know what it's like to to grow up in a neighborhood where I have to live in a particular way to be able to survive. I don't know that. But what I can do is show up and care. What I can do is educate myself on what's happening right now and wonder, not demonize people for what they're doing, but say, what is happening? How can I learn more about what's going on? Put yourself in conversations with people. So that's something that I'm just thinking of. And I just think is, needs to be said. Um, And that's, look, I'm not educated on this stuff. Like, I don't don't know as much as I should. I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't have a doctorate. I don't have a master's even. Um. But I have heart, and I teach, and I care about my students, and I just think that I'm trying to do the best that I can do um, with the people around me that are trying to do similar work. Um, That's it, everybody. Um, And that's how we're going to end it this week. Uh, If I can do anything for you, if you're interested in talking about that more, um, hit me up, and I'd be happy to do that. And that's it. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Wrap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. Peace.